Well, uh, if you've been here the past seven months, <laughs> uh, we've been talking about the uh, spiritual processes that produce transformation in our lives and how many believe you're tra transforming here transform it into the very image of Jesus Christ. And uh, those processes include, of course, salvation. When you experience the new birth, you're set up to enjoy all the translation and all the transformation God has for you. We learned about justification. We find out that um, you and I have been given the gift of righteousness. Aren't you glad you're in right standing with Him? We found out that through the process of adoption, we have been made His kids, amen, and His heir. Say, I am His heir. I'm you not ashamed to say that? Amen. <laughs> you're His heir. We learned the process of redemption. We've been redeemed from the curse. Amen. 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 Spiritual death, poverty, and sickness and disease. You and I have been redeemed from the curse and we have been restored with the blessing of God. We've learned through the process of impartation that He, of course, pours His Spirit upon all flesh and we need to get filled and stay filled with the Holy Ghost. Say, thank God. Thank God. Say, thank God, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And uh, today we're going to talk to you, begin talking about the process of glorification. And I've said this before in, in teaching on this, that uh, there's a lot said about salvation in the body of Christ. There's a lot said about justification. And uh, sometimes, like we talked about with sanctification, which is uh, tied to this particular topic, so we'll, we'll, we'll show you how. But uh, the darling in the church seems to be understanding and preaching what glorification is all about. And when we say glorification, we may talk about the Lord, let's glorify the Lord, magnify the Lord with me. Uh, we're not talking about magnifying human beings or glorifying human beings. That's not what we mean by glorification. So I want to read some scriptures to you and get into this, and we'll go as far as I think we should. But I can tell you this. Uh, everything that He has done to save us and to make us in right standing and to adopt us as His children and to set us apart, amen, sanctify us for His glory and purpose, to impart His power to us, to redeem us from the curse, is so that He could restore the glory to His people. And, uh, you know, there's going to come a day uh, where you're going to be nothing but glorified. Amen. You're going to be absolutely restored in every dimension of these processes of uh, transformation. This part of transformation, of course, it affects us, but because of the nature of the glory of God, it also affects everybody else around us. Aren't you glad for that? So I want to go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, and I'm going to read this to you. I'd encourage you to write these scriptures down and study them. And ask the Lord, matter of fact, do it right now. Say, Heavenly Father, give me revelation on glorification in Jesus' name. It's entirely possible that you're here today and you've never even heard a message on glorification. Well, that's why we're taking the time to go through it. We want you to understand what it is so you can believe for what God has for you. In Habakkuk 2.14 it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Uh, that knowledge may not be there now, but there's a promise that God is going to pour out His Spirit and His understanding and His revelation so that we will know about the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 6, you will know that uh, Isaiah had this vision of the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. Of course, we understand the power and the imagery there. But I want you to notice this phrase, and one of the angels called to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Say, full of His glory. Isaiah was seeing what was going to be in the future. And how many know we're closer to that future than he was? We're there. 
In uh, Psalm 57, 11, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. What's going to happen is His glory is going to fill the earth. And the question is, how does that happen? The question is, what is exactly is the glory of God? Uh, you know, where does that glory actually manifest? In the Old Testament, for example, we know that the glory of God was, was resident, um, you know, in the uh, area of the Ark of the Covenant. And at times, like in Solomon's day, the Spirit of God would actually fill with such a thickness of the glory of God after His large sacrifice unto God that they literally couldn't stand in the presence of God. We understand that. But when you move from the Old Testament into the New Testament era because of our salvation, because of what He has done, you know, the, the actual residence or the focus or loci of that glory changes significantly. So I want you to make sure that uh, you understand this. So in Mark chapter 90, if you want to turn there, there's a story that recounts Jesus literally being transfigured or transformed in their presence. And I want to uh, just kind of hook this, uh, you know, to that particular story. After, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before him. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him Elijah and Moses. A couple of things I should point out to you here. Elijah and Moses are not dead. They're right there with Jesus. I want to point out to you what they are seeing here is Jesus in his true form. Before that, they just saw him in his natural form. He's fully God and he's fully man. At this moment, they see him for who he really is. Then he goes on to say in the scripture, and they were talking with Jesus, and Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Turn to somebody and tell him, Listen to Jesus. Come on, say it again. Listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Now here's the key here. How many with a raised hand believe that this was a revelation of who Jesus actually is? What you also have to understand is this is a revelation of who you are becoming. Amen. It's not just about the transfiguration of Jesus. It's about how His people are going to be transformed. It's how they one day are going to walk in the fullness and the saturation of the glory of God. So what is the glory? If you're going to talk about glorification, we have to make sure that everyone here is on the same page as to what glory is. It's not just something you shout when you're praising God. Oh, glory, that's fine, that's great, but that's not what we're talking about. What the glory of God is, it is the manifested presence and power and goodness of God. Say that with me, the manifested, everybody say the manifested presence and power and goodness of God. Now understand what I mean here. That how many know that God is, is everywhere present? And how many know He is all powerful? And how many know that His nature is not only loving, it's also kind and good? We understand that. We're not talking about theological truth here or just assenting to something that we mentally agree with. We're talking about the manifested goodness of God. We're talking about the manifested power of God. Is that Jesus? Um, okay. <laughs> because if it is, I'm going to stop the service. I'm going to talk to him. Amen. I want the phone. 
trying to. <laughs> the way to understand this is whether he ever shows his power or his goodness, amen, or manifests his presence, he is God. He still is, amen, omnipotent, omniscient. He is everywhere present. But when we're talking about the manifest presence of God, we're talking about him showing up and showing out. For example, before the Red Sea was parted, he was what? Powerful. Amen. That's truth. But when he parted the Red Sea, that's the manifested power of God. That's the glory of God manifesting in power. When uh, We know he's everywhere present, but when he rolls in and we worship him and he inhabits the praises of our people, of his people, and we sense that, that's his manifest presence. What Moses experienced, for example, in Exodus 33 was his manifest presence. You see this? And when it comes to his goodness, how many know that he is a good God? Can I ask you here today, anybody who's ever, you know without a doubt that it was God that did something good in your life. You, no one else could have done it, no explanation. It was the goodness of God. Well, here's the bottom line. God is good even before he did that for you. Now, aren't you glad that he is good? We'd be in a real mess if he was not good. Say, my God, my God. is good. He's not arbitrary. He's not capricious. It's not, you never know what he's going to do. He is good. But when something good happens in your life, you see his favor, you see his blessing, you know it's, it's he that did the good, you're singing the glory of God. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I've already seen a lot of the glory of God. I've enjoyed his presence and his power and his goodness. How many out there say the same thing? Amen. But here's the thing. There was a time where the presence and power and goodness of God did not seemingly come and go or somehow in staccato fashion enter our lives and then not happen all the time. There was a time where God's people walked 100% of the time in the manifested presence, power, and goodness of God. Say it with me. All the time. Not just these little punctuated moments in time where you had His presence and His power and His goodness. They lived that way. That's the way Adam and Eve lived. Are you here today? So say it with me. The glory of God, glory of God is, is His manifested presence, presence power, power, and goodness. And goodness. You know it's the glory, not because you had a warm fuzzy. <laughs> you know it's the glory because the tangible presence of God, amen, the practical goodness of God has invaded your life. And his power has shown up. Amen. There are a lot of testimonies in here about the power of God. But I can tell you this, that when he moves supernaturally on a body to rid that body of disease, we can call it a lot of things, but fundamentally it's the manifested goodness and power of God. That's who he is. Aren't you glad? Now in Genesis chapter 3, we're all familiar with the fact that God told them they can live in this garden, they can tend this garden. But they were not supposed to touch a certain tree. Can I have an amen? amen. Just like two-year-olds tell them not to touch something. <laughs> this is not for you to eat. <laughs> Eve says, oh, yeah, the devil deceived her and she ate. She gave it to her husband Adam and he ate. And the Bible says their eyes were opened. Not just to what was good, but to what was evil. And what was their first response? 
in fear to hide. They had their eyes open. They saw they were naked and they hid. Here comes the Lord. He knows exactly where they are, but he wants to make sure they know where they're at. <laughs> I know he knows where you are. Adam, where are you? And so there he is with his own volition trying to take care of the situation and the shame. And how do they cover themselves, church? With fig leaves. Are you here today? I just want you to understand that a fig leaf is no substitute for the glory of God. Amen. If you could peer back in time into the garden and look at these individuals that God created, you would see literally two balls of light walking through the garden. Adam absolutely encapsulated with the glory of God, the light of God, his wife, the same thing. But on the day that they disobeyed God, sin came and the light went out. The glory departed. And the first instinct for a human being is when they're in shame, they're exposed, is to cover themselves. But you and I know that a fig leaf will never get the job done. Efforts to save oneself will never get the job done. There's nothing you can do to eliminate the shame on your own. You needed someone to shed their blood. The Lord comes along and does what for them? He makes skins for them. And how many understand he didn't go up to the animals and say, can I borrow your skin? <laughs> Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So he provides skins for them. They go from their glory to fig leaves to skins. And how many understand that foreshadows what Jesus would do for you and for me? And how many are glad today you can say, I am saved, I'm born again. I've experienced the new birth. You have been touched by his efforts to produce a, a skin, amen, covering and atonement and obliteration of that sin that, that produced, you know, the need for the sacrifice in the first place. But understand this and get this deep into your heart. It was never God's design for us to lose our glory covering in the first place. You go from glory to figs to skins. Are you here today? And you say, what is God's agenda in glorification? What is his goal? His goal is to give you back the clothes you had in the garden. You did the sin thing. Turn to somebody and tell them, I did the sin thing. Tell somebody else, I did the fig thing. And how many are glad you did the skin thing? It's time to do the glory thing. Do not stop alone at salvation and forgiveness of sins. His aim is to restore the glory to his people they had in the garden before the fall. So then what is glorification? It is the restoration of the glory, God's manifest presence, power, and goodness that was lost in the garden because of sin. He's not satisfied with fig leaves, and he's not even satisfied with a skin. He wants you to be restored to the way you were before the fall. And it's happening. There's some good news for you. Spiritually, that's already been done. Your spirit man today is fully glorified. But unfortunately, the rest of you is not. But you're 
in process. Say it with me. I'm working on something. Romans 8.30, And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. There's the heart of God. You remember when Moses had an encounter with God, there was a veil over his face. And what would the glory do over time? It would dissipate. Well, listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Are you here today? What's happening right now is the progressive restoration of the manifest presence, power, and goodness of God in your life. You may not recognize it, but sometimes people can see what you can't see. There is right now, raise your hand if you would say, I'm born again. No apologies, no absolute, nothing but praise for God. How many raise your hand and say, I am born again? There is right now a measure of God's manifested presence, power, and goodness in your life. But God's design is that it would increase. You would go from glory to glory and faith to faith and victory to victory. And then one day there's going to be a trumpet blast. I said there's going to be a blast and it's not very far away. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we which remain are going to be caught up in the clouds together with him. Sounds like fantasy to the unlearned, to those who don't understand the things of God. But just as surely as Jesus lived and died and was resurrected, it's true. He's returning. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And the Bible speaks of us being changed in the twinkling of an eye. The transformation then is instant and it is finished. Body, soul, and spirit. But in the meantime, the manifested presence, power, and goodness of God are here for you and for me to sustain the body, amen, and to make your soul function at its highest possible level. Yes. Amen. When the glory is on your life, you think at a higher level. You operate emotionally at a higher level. When the glory is on your life, you make good choices. Anybody here make some stupid choices in life? Join the club. But the glory attached to your life on this earth, you should be coming, you know, better in your thinking and your emotions and in terms of your will. How can I become better in my emotions? You feel things, but you stop letting your emotions run you. I feel, therefore I decide. That's not how a child of God is to operate their life. Feel it strongly. Feel that hurt. Feel that pain. Feel that rejection. Feel that loss. Feel. Feel it to the maximum, but then back up and say, but I will make my decisions based on the revelation of God's word in my life. Amen. That's where we're headed. So what he will perfect in that day, he is doing right now. Just like with salvation and justification and adoption and impartation and sanctification, just like with redemption, he has already started the glorification process. It doesn't start when you die. It started when he died. And then when you embrace that death for yourself, it kicked it into high gear for you. And if you'll just stay faithful in these last days, 
hear what the Spirit of God is saying. If you'll just stay faithful in these last days, you're going to see an acceleration of glorification in your life. You're going to see more of His power, more of His presence, more of the manifested goodness of God. Just stay on track and watch and see what God will do. The process is about to be sped up. Now lay hold of it. We need it. Them people out there are nuts. This world's crazy. <laughs> Amen. Can't figure out who they are, what they are. If you don't believe that this generation has been demonized, you don't understand the battle that's out there. Pastor, how can, how can a sane human being, you know, buy into all the nonsense? They're not thinking straight. Yes, that's right, they're not. Because there are mind-blinding spirits and there are demonizations going on. And the doors were opened up by people. And the devil said, you bet y'all come in there. Yeah. Right. Amen. But you're not looking to be demonized. No. You're looking to be glorified. Amen. Say it with me. The process, the process of glorification, of glorification. Is, working is working in my life right now. In Jesus' name, from faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. I'm excited when the Holy Ghost breaks in and tells us he is accelerating a biblical process in our lives. Thank God we're saved and justified. Thank God we're adopted. Amen. Thank God we're redeemed. Thank God we're sanctified. Thank God he has imparted his Holy Ghost. But thank God now he in these last days is speeding up the glorification process. Some of you are about to become the devil's worst nightmare. He probably should have left you alone. He kept pushing and pushing and pushing and persecuting and hurting, amen, and undermining and slamming you and accusing you. But you were just like a weeble that doesn't wobble, amen, or fall down. You just kept on going. You've got to understand something about God. He's watching all this. He was watching when you took that punch. He was watching when you took that assault. He was watching when somebody came after you. He was watching when you were disappointed and you didn't give up. He's been watching. Now you're going to see more of his glory than you've ever seen in your entire life. So turn to your neighbor and tell him to buckle up buttercup. It's going to get real good here real fast. (laughs) Hallelujah. Does anybody out there have a hallelujah? Hallelujah. I believe that. It's the year of transformation. And the cherry on top of this is his heartfelt desire to restore the glory that we lost in the garden. Yeah, we lost a lot, but Jesus paid for it all, didn't he? Amen. Amen. Say it one more time. I did the sin thing. Come on, say it. I did the fig thing. I did the the skin thing. thing. Now it's time for the glory thing. There are people in this world that are still stuck at the sin thing. Are you here? There are people in this world, and some of them even the church, that are still trying to do the fig leaf thing. Trying to find a way for themselves. It won't work. And there are multitudes in the body of Christ. Praise God. They've done the skin thing. Thank God their eyes were open to the sacrifice made for them. And they accepted God's propitiation for sin. 
the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ for you and for me. And praise God for that. But the problem is millions of believers all over the world have stopped at the skin. God needs you to take it all. He needs you to hear his heart and his desire to put the light back on in your life. To put the fullness of his presence and power and goodness on your life. Because that's what the world needs. You accepting the skin, the blood for your transgression, that's great for you. But there's a world out there that doesn't know. And he needs his power, his people walking in this kind of power. So, I don't know about you, but uh, I thank God that uh, I'm saved. But I want him to have the full measure in my life in terms of his glory. Say it with me, his glory. glory. Say he's restoring the manifested presence presence and power and and goodness of God in my life. This glorification is not for buildings. We take care of what we have because it's a stewardship issue. You don't take care of what God gave you. You shouldn't expect for God to give you anything else. You may have an old clunker of a car, but wash it. Clean it. Take care of it. You may have a shotgun of a house, you know, but take care of it. Make it a palace. Hallelujah. Amen. You may not feel like you're the most beautiful person in the world or the hottest or the hunkiest or whatever the case may be, but take care of what you are. God made you. Amen. There's something to be said for stewardship. But understand, when we're talking about the restoration of the glory, we're not talking about God filling a building. We're talking about it coming back on His people. The target for the glory is not a building, not an institution, not a denomination, not a group, not a fellowship. It is a human being. The destination for the restoration of the glory, people. His people. You've got to move to the New Testament age and stop thinking about the glory of just entering a temple. Are you here? How many believe the glory of God is here today? Well, pastor, how did it get here? I'll tell you how it got here. You brought it. You brought the measure of the glory that is at work in your life right now. What if everyone in here went up a few notches just in the next couple of weeks? Are you here today? You can't pack up the temple and take it to Kroger. But you can take you to Kroger. I can't hardly wait to hear the stories about the people of this church just going out and doing their business and the glory begins to manifest. (laughs) Hallelujah. Signs and wonders and miracles and healings and deliverances. Glory to God over there in the fresh fruit section. Praise God. Somebody walked in there, fruit and got delivered. Hallelujah. Now they're a servant of God. It'll be fun. <laughs> Praise God. Like the other processes of transformation, glorification has kicked in because you're born again. In 1 Peter 5, 4, the Bible says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It speaks of the perfection of that glory one day. The spirit man is already glorified. The body is sustained by that glory on this earth. And aren't you glad that it is sustained? He endeavors for you to complete your work. Amen. 
And it's the glory of God that's actually doing that. He intends for your mind, your will, your emotions to be glorified, your soul to be undergoing the same process. And here's something exciting for you to think about. Uh, does everybody here know that there's a new body coming for you? Oh, yes. <laughs> and usually the older people are, the more they say amen when we talk about stuff like that. You know, it's like when things are snapping, crackling, and popping. There's a new body. Amen. Uh, those that are dead in Christ, they're going to get the blessing first. Uh, you that are here for the sappy seconds? <laughs> no. What a wonderful thing that will be to be here when the rapture happens. But when that happens, you will already have a new flesh, a new body that's already prepackaged with the fullness of the glory of God. Think about that. you got a lot to look forward to. Let the glory work now. Let the manifest presence, power, and goodness of God, you know, elevating your life now. But look forward to that day when that body is on you, when that is where you are. That is the new tent that you have. It comes prepackaged with the fullness of God's presence, power, and goodness. And it cannot be corrupted. Won't have any wrinkles. Won't be in a knee pain. Won't be in a need for glasses or hearing aids. Won't be in a need for a pacemaker. Hallelujah. Interestingly enough, you still get to eat. That's the greatest amen I've had all day. We get to eat and have a praise. God spoke like a bunch of true Pentecostals. Praise God. <laughs> Only people love to eat more are the Baptists. It's July in America. Do you know what that means? No, I'm not talking about <laughs> not talking about the 4th of July or, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. I'm talking about Hallmark Christmas in July. Like, it's not enough in December, so... So she has me watching this movie. She watched. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, you know, this, this, you know, ends going to be sold to a developer and they're going to change everything. And so they're going to have an international Christmas party with all these people going to bring in their little dishes. And so they surveyed all the different folks who are from different cultures about how they celebrated Christmas. And I actually kind of just laughed severely on the inside when I heard this, but, you know, this one couple from a certain country would say, well, this is our tradition, and they would say, this is our tradition, and they came to this Japanese couple from Japan, and they said, well, what's your tradition? What do you eat on Christmas Day? And they said, fried chicken, we love the big buckets. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to myself, damn, some Pentecostal Japanese right there, I'm telling you what, we love that chicken. Do you have... Any idea how many chickens have sacrificed their lives for the gospel? <laughs> yes, amen. But your new one, the new body comes prepackaged. 
Now, what religious people would do is say, well, we'll just wait for the sweet by and by. We'll just wait until God does that. No, the glorification process has already begun. Advance all you can in glorification in the days that we live in. Expect more of his manifest presence and power and goodness in your life. There are degrees of glorification in the earth. Every time you experience his presence, say every time. Every time you experience a miracle, every time there's a healing, a sign, a wonder, you are seeing his glory manifested. It's time for us to stop letting the world and even parts of the church talk us out of the power of God. We should be expecting the glory of God. Amen. And you have. You've seen God do so many things already in your lives. That was his glory at work. When you see a Catherine Kuhlman or a Smith Wigglesworth or a John G. Lake or contemporary you know, evangelists and revivalists, you are seeing people who are simply more developed in glorification than you. But there's not a person in this room that cannot develop that kind of level of glorification. It is a lie from the pit of hell for people to believe that these folks are exceptions. They're special. No, it's just that they consecrated themselves. It's just they understood this, that the more they, they swung closer and closer to him, the more of the glory would manifest. You can't stay out there on the fringes of his presence and of his goodness and expect to operate that way. People would come across Smith and Wigglesworth in a, in a train car or walking down the street and they would fall down and repent. And people would say, stop, stop, you're convicting me. He hadn't said a word. I believe some people in this room are going to experience that. Yeah. The ugliest relative in your family one day is going to say, stop, stop, you convict me. <laughs> I had this experience one time. I had been, I've been saved about a few months and just on fire for God and I don't know why I was particularly in my mom and dad's room in, in Carbondale, but I was just sitting on the bed there just reading the Bible. And my brother James walks by, and since that time, he's, he's just sold out and gone with God. In fact, all four of us are living for God. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. Praise God. Nothing better than to have your family serving God. But at that time, he wasn't exactly where he should have been spiritually. And I, I didn't say anything uh, because I wasn't in a place to say anything about anything. You understand what I'm saying to you? last thing I'm going to do is start preaching to James. First of all, he's so lightning fast in his wit, he had shot me down in a heartbeat. But he walks by, and he looks in there, and he sees me reading the Bible, and this is what he says. You and Tammy think you're the only ones that know anything about God. I didn't say a word. Nothing. What you're seeing there was a little bit of conviction. Fast forward, we are associate pastors in Savannah, Georgia, and we're playing around in golf, and my brother and me and, and, uh, and my dad, and uh, <laughs> he looks at me and he says, uh, why don't you go do something that, uh, that makes some money? Be a dentist, be a doctor, be this, be that. And that time, I looked at him straight in the eye after a couple of years to develop. I said, because you feel supposed to do what God calls you to do, not what you think you should do. Yeah. Amen. He didn't ask me that question anymore. <laughs> but there are people walking in degrees of this, and you look at that and go, why isn't that outstanding? Isn't that amazing how God uses that person? There's not a born-again, spirit-filled person in this room that cannot walk at that level of glorification. And if you believe a lie, that's the first thing you have to overcome in your life. Degrees. Uh, no, these people are not the exceptions. They can be the rules, and I believe in these last days they will be the rule. Can I have a good amen? amen. 
Another word you might use or have heard used in this context when you refer to things like the anointing, the burden removing yoke destroying power of God. It actually is a manifested presence, power, and goodness of God. You might have heard people talk about things like this. It's like God with us, just like Emmanuel. The Bible speaks of Joseph, and whatever he put his hand to, it was blessed. Why? Because the presence of God, the manifest presence and power and goodness of God was with Joseph. When you hear the Bible say, and God was with them, that's what that means. You can't do anything but succeed when God is with you. And let me remind you, if God be for you, amen, who can be against you? Now say it boldly, God is with me. He is for me. In Jesus' name. Say it again. God is for me. He is with me. Aren't you glad to be saved? Aren't you glad to be justified? I said, aren't you glad to be adopted today? Aren't you glad to be redeemed? Aren't you glad to be sanctified? Aren't you glad that impartation is coming your way and is in you now? Aren't you glad that glorification is working now in you? Not one day in the sweet by and by. It's great we have people that are saved all over the country, but we need people to step into God's restoration. His heart is to restore the glory that was lost because of sin in the garden. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about exactly how do you position yourself so that you increase in the dimensions of the manifestation of God's presence, power, and goodness. But today, I just want you just to focus again on this reality how many of you thank God that you've been the sin thing, you've done the sin thing, and that's over? Amen. How many are you glad now that uh, you're beyond the fig leaf? How many thank God for the blood of Jesus? Amen. Say it with me. I did the sin thing. Come on, stand your feet and say, I did the sin thing. Everybody stand and say, I did the sin thing. I did the fig leaf thing. I did the skin thing. Now it's time for the glory thing. Time for the glory. Amen. It's time for the glory. Praise God. Let's just close your eyes and just lift your hands and just tell them thank you for the blood.